Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. DraftSite.com, back for another podcast. We have, not that we're counting, but uh, 71 hours until draft time, takeoff time. We're recording this. It is exactly 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday the 24th at, at this moment. A mere 71 hours until Roger Goodell is on stage declaring an opening to the NFL draft in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm DJ Boyer, but I'm not alone. Tonight I'm joined by the man, kind of like Madonna. He, he only goes by one name. All we have to say is it's Rob. Rob is all we need to know. Rob is the man. Tell us about it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Rob. Go for it. All right. Thank you for that intro, DJ. Um, you know, I've just been working on some of the uh, prospects and doing some scouting here for the site. Uh, excited to be on the podcast tonight. Um, like you said, just a couple days away from the draft. So I uh, can't wait for Goodell to get up there and get a little bit booed uh, for that first election. So it's exciting time. Yes, and I hope everyone out there <clears throat> excuse me, has been going to the site, looking at the draft profiles. Uh, Rob's done an amazing job there, and we've got a couple other areas where he's been helping on the site. So sure, Rob is going to be around for many future drafts to come, probably two to three weeks after, uh, let's see, the 29th when the draft is actually concluded, and Mach 1.0 will be up for 2018. Get him involved early in the process for next year. But tonight what we're going to concentrate on is actually just going position by position. Um, Going to start with that hollowed position known as quarterback, the old field general in the field. Go from there, just give you some of the, the, the people we really like, maybe some people that uh, we think are a little overvalued. Go for some of those diamonds in the roughs, maybe some sleepers from some of the small schools. So, sound good? You, Rob, you ready to strap in and get this going? Yep, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to cover it. Well, we're going to throw it to you right away, not to put you on the spot or anything, but uh, we're going to start with that quarterback position. This is... Even though a year that I feel is a down year for the quarterback position, next next year's draft looks to be much more plentiful. But you are the you are a GM right now. You are maybe you're a member of the Browns or the 49ers or the Jets. You're the Cardinals. You're the Texans. Just throwing out some teams that might be looking quarterback in round one. Maybe some teams that have established starters that are looking for someone to take the reins in the future a la New Orleans, Kansas City, Pittsburgh. Who is the guy you've got your eye on? Who do you like in this draft class and why? I would say number one in the draft class, um, just off of pure talent alone, I would have to go with Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes from Texas Tech. Um, You know, he stands at about 6'2", 225, 230. Um, I think when you just look at pure arm talent, uh, the kid can make all the throws. Pretty athletic. uh, Ran about a 4'8 at the combine. Um, you know, pretty decent vert and stuff like that. Obviously, um, a little turnover prone, maybe not as accurate as uh, you'd like coming out of college. Um, but I think when you look at just pure raw talent, he's the he's the real deal. Um, I'd like to see him, you know, maybe not land in Cleveland or San Francisco, um, maybe land in, say, an Arizona or uh, even Kansas City, somewhere that he could sit a year, um, learn from, you know, Carson Palmer, Alex Smith, and, you know, develop a little bit before they put him on the center. 
Um, I think the most NFL-ready, um, someone who could start day one, is um, probably Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky from North Carolina. Um, I think he's a scheme fit. Uh, I think he needs to be in the right offense. But, I mean, if we're looking at number two, first quarterback off the board of San Francisco, I think Trubisky would be the number one fit for that, you know, uh, quick-hitting offense, get the ball out quick, let him do his thing. Um, so those would be the two quarterbacks that I think are, you know, the top of the class this year. I don't want to take a good cop, bad cop approach to this, but um, Mahomes is a guy who I think is I'm not as high on, but he definitely has a lot of those measurables. Um, I think some of those throws might get him in, in trouble, might be a little too Brett Farvish for, uh, for the liking. But he's definitely a guy that is, you know, he's been moving up a lot of boards there. I would say of, of the top five quarterback prospects in this draft, he's actually had more visits with teams than any of the of the other uh, big five, as we would call them, which right now uh, the five quarterbacks that have made the most visits have been Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Kaiser, and, and the man that I actually have as a sneaky guy, actually at uh, number 25 overall in the, the last mock, Davis Webb out of California, who I caught a little bit of flack for on, on, an, uh, on some boards and making some comments that, I feel right now, even though he's kind of a graduate guy, not a lot of time at Cal, Cal I think he's got more upside than Jared Goff. I was not a big Jared Goff guy last year, saying he was third, fourth-round talent. So um, I think he's a guy that's going to take a few people by surprise. As far as the, the guy that I think is probably the top in this draft, it's, it's going to take a long time. It's going to take two to three years. I think Kaiser's got the most upside, but there's obviously accuracy issues. There's problems with decision-making there, but as far as just having the whole physical package, um, talent-wise, I think Kaiser really has it, but he's definitely going to have to sit somewhere, and he's probably going to be a second or third-round pick. Really like Trubisky a lot, you know, being a Tar Heel guy myself, but again, only that one year as a starter, that's probably the biggest, I would say, knock against him right now. Um, played really well, uh, actually only threw two interceptions in the, in the eight victories Carolina had this year, I believe it's uh, 23 touchdowns to two interceptions, and you can uh, just about turn that around in, in the losses that they suffered this year. I believe it's four touchdowns to uh, to nine interceptions. It was uh, and he played one in a looked to be what was almost like a gale force wins. I believe that was against Virginia Tech. But um, yeah, I do remember that one. That was, whew, that, was a, that was a bad game. Yeah, that was a rough one. I, I think I <laughs> threw that one out the window when that there wasn't much to watch there. As far as maybe someone in the middle rounds, um, if I'm really looking here, again, I, I just don't see any huge kind of names that are just kind of popping up at me. I think one guy that doesn't get enough pub or I think is a little bit better than the stats kind of show for him, Cooper Rush out of Central Michigan, I think is a guy who's a little more cerebral and I think can really – Make it at the next level. Don't see him, obviously, as someone who's going to come in and lead an offense. But he's a guy who I, I feel has a solid, you know, six- to eight-year kind of career ahead of him as a backup. It, the, the guy looks like John Kitna to me. He's a guy that I think can come in. He can learn an offense very quickly, cerebral enough to actually come in, make some plays. You're not going to have to tinker with the playbook too much or, or kind of dumb things down for him. But he just doesn't have the athletic talent or the arm uh, the arm that's going to dazzle you and just kind of go off the charts, but you're not going to lose a lot with him. Uh, so Cooper Rush is kind of a guy that I, I think is a guy that I think gets a little bit undervalued. I've been talked a lot about uh, Brady Gustafson out of, out of the University of Montana, 
another guy that I kind of like. As far as some of the small, maybe some of the smaller school guys, um, you know, a lot's been made of uh, like an Alec Torgetson out of uh, Penn, uh, Antonio Pipkin out of uh, Tiffin. Actually, he's got a little bit of looks and got some play at the, the Senior Bowl as well. But uh, Eli Jenkins out of Jacksonville State, mm-hmm. a little undersized, but he's a guy that's kind of been moving up the, the boards recently, has made a few trips um, to uh, to a couple of teams. Actually, New Orleans seems to have some some interest there. Uh, Jeff Kidd out of Long Island Post, another guy who just he just kind of looks the part. If you see this, you know, six three two twenty five, uh, you know, the, the physique of Jeff Kidd, he just kind of looks the part. You never guess that this guy's from you know Long Island Post, and you're talking basically Division three school here. But he's a guy that has a possibility of maybe sticking around, uh, you know, making like a like a taxi squad, making a practice squad somewhere for for a little bit. Um, if it doesn't pan out, he, he's just kind of got the pedigree for someone who could go up to the CFL and kind of light things up. Definitely has an explosive arm. Uh, anyone that kind of stands out for you as far as mid-rounds or maybe one of those sleepers that maybe hasn't been mentioned yet? Yeah, definitely. Uh, this is an interesting quarterback draft. I mean, once you get kind of out of that top five, um, even now um, Peterman, Nathan Peterman is hit, and even Joshua Dobbs now are getting second round, third round love. Um, but you look kind of past those first six guys, um, I think you gotta, it's going to be rough come, you know, fifth to seventh round. Uh, one guy that I know gets, a, you know, probably see it get selected there in probably the fifth or sixth round is C.J. Bihar from Iowa. Um, but when it comes to just the later round, kind of the seventh round, maybe someone takes a flyer on someone, I'm a big fan of, uh, I, I fall in love with the rocket arm quarterback. Like you said earlier, the Brett Favre type, that's why Mahomes kind of intrigues me more than some of the others. And um, some of the guys in the later rounds that I like are um, Gunnar Keel from Cincinnati, uh, big-time recruit early on, kind of phased out. Some injuries really slowed him down. But uh, I think he's got the NFL arm talent, but we'll see. I, I, I imagine he would be a seventh-rounder. Uh, and someone I really like um, late, probably seventh-round, would be Patrick Powell from Boston College, a big kid. They could, they, some have even said he might have to move to tight end. Um, but, I mean, rocket arm. Um, needs to work on his decision making and probably touch and accuracy, but somebody that I think some uh, a team's going to be willing to take a seventh round flyer on, stick him on a practice squad, and uh, see if they can develop him. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh, the one small school person that I've kind of kept up with through the entire process is Alex Torgerson uh, from Pennsylvania, and I like what he's got. And I again, I think he'll probably see sixth, seventh round love once it once the draft comes around. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you bring up Gunnar Keel because this is a guy who honestly had his career kind of stayed on projection. He could have been the best quarterback in this class, and there's been there were some problems there with uh, Tommy Tuberville and, and uh, some of the, the coaching decisions and really actually came into the season number three on the depth chart. Um, you know, some problems with injuries. All you got to do is go back and look at that tape as a sophomore when he lit up Ohio State for four touchdowns in the first half. Uh, he was leading into a near uh, what looked to be what could have been an upset for Cincinnati, and unfortunately injury knocked him out of the game. He actually missed time, uh, had to actually go through the bench four games during his sophomore year, which was his best year, um, being knocked out due to injury. And there's been a lot of whispers. It hasn't really been confirmed, but, again, we don't like to spread things too much here, but there might have been some other issues going on. Maybe we've heard things like painkillers, things of that nature, that maybe kind of has kind of crept into the 
Uh, I'd say Gunnar Keel there, and maybe uh, there, there, there's some other issues, some off-the-field stuff that I really don't think we really know the, the full story. But if he's able to get with the right coaching staff, this is the guy that could be not only a seal the quarterback position, but a seal the draft. That's a good call on your part. We're going to move. We're going to stay right with the offense. We're going to go to the running backs. And the running backs, I would say, conversely, from the quarterbacks here, we, we've got some – We've got about four people who could go in the first round. We get three people selected in the top 15. This is something that was taboo over the last few seasons. But uh, we hear more and more people talking about the Ezekiel Elliott effect, the fact going number four last year. Uh, Todd Gurley was the first uh, running back to go in the top 10 in quite a number of years when he was selected the year before by the Rams. So I think we're, we're seeing this more and more, and, even though I, I believe that the two teams up top that are looking to trade back, uh, San Francisco at two, the Jets at number six, I think those are examples of teams that need quarterbacks. I think they're going to roll the dice with what they have currently, maybe look for a quarterback next year. But we've, we've heard really that if San Francisco stays put at number two, maybe the surprise pick of this draft, it could be Leonard Fournette. There's some whispers we're hearing more and more that Carlos Hyde is not really going to be as, as much of a fit in this offense. And if they go uh, Fournette, uh, Carlos Hyde's actually on the training block. So Fournette obviously kind of leads this class. you got Christian McCaffrey, who some teams are viewing as more of a wide receiver than a running back, but just the overall athleticism there. There's just so many good backs, but I don't know if there's really one that's just going to jump off the page. So I'm going to say Fournette's probably, to me, the, the guy who I think is the biggest can't miss. And of all the guys up top, I just, I'm sorry, I just do not get why everyone is in love with Alvin Kamara out of Tennessee. I just don't get it. Um, he just looks to be lethargic, a step slow, um, doesn't move well laterally. I, I just do not see it. Um, maybe I'm missing something here. I'm, I'm, I haven't batted 100% or I'd be, you know, on NFL Network or something. But at the same time, I'm just not getting the love for Alvin Kamara. I think if there's anyone that's going to be picked near the top of this draft that suffers that four-letter bad word that we call bust. Now, I think it's Kamara in this draft. What, what is your assessment of the running backs? Sure. I, I mean, it's like you said. Nowadays, it's, it's interesting to see how two years ago um, running, back, you know, running backs weren't being taken in the first round. It just wasn't something that teams did. You know, you, you can look from last year. Jordan Howard going in, you know, the middle rounds ended up being a steal. Teams feel like they can find running backs. I hate to say, but, you know, they see him almost view him as a, uh, you know, a dime a dozen type position, somebody who they can get a middle round, late round prospect and develop, find a good offensive line, good quarterback play. But, um, I mean, you saw the ZQLL, even Todd Gurley the last few years, that if you can get an elite running back, uh, it, it can change an offense. Um, I, think, I think Fournette is that guy. I think Fournette is just the size, speed, um, athletic ability is, you know, one of those once-in-a-decade type. I I don't know if he's as good as Zeke Elliott when he came out, but he's in that range, that uh, AP, Zeke Elliott, Todd Gurley type tier where, you know, he can be, a, he can be an offensive game changer. Um, I, Chris McCaffrey, I think he's a gadget player. Uh, I still, he played at Stanford, you know, handled 20 carries. They run between tackles. Um, big fan of his. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of him in the top 15, but uh, if you have the right offense to incorporate him, that's a good one. Um, I am a little bit bigger on Alvin Kamara. Um, I uh, compared him in uh, some of my scouting to Felix Jones. I think he's a number two back. Maybe he can be a 1A if you get the right player with him. But uh, um, 
You know, he's got some decent speed. You're right, he's missing that second level, you know, where he hits that second level and blows by safeties. But um, you battle from the line of Tennessee, um, obviously dealt with the Jalen Hurd situation where who knew who was getting the carries that week. Um, but I think, you know, he needs to improve in pass detection, but he can be a three-down back, and um, it'll be interesting to see how he can develop. But, yeah, Felix Jones just size-wise athleticism. I think he's kind of a good fit there. I see probably middle middle second round. But um, and we're looking yeah, here. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of good backs that you can get in the middle the middle rounds oh, here. Yeah. So I think some of these teams that are looking for a running back, to me, this is not a draft where you necessarily have to go out and get that stud in, in round one or two. Obviously, as you said, you want to get someone that's a home run hitter. You've got the, the chance for an elite athlete. You go for it, but. The difference between a second-round back and a fifth-round back maybe in this draft, it, it's pretty paper-thin. You can get some people like Jeremy McNichols out of Boise State, Brian Hill out of Wyoming, uh, Elijah McGuire out of uh, uh, Louisiana, who Louisiana Lafayette is, who's played really well. T.J. Logan's moving up a lot of charts. James Conner, and, uh, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be rooting for him to battle with Hodgkin's disease there. So uh, he's kind of got the sentimental vote on his side. Uh, you, you've got a, a D'Angelo Henderson out of Coastal Carolina talking about some of those, those small backs. Not that we've uh, never seen Coastal Carolina people at the next level make it, uh, a.k.a. Mike Tolbert, and that's uh, actually where he went to school. So there's a little bit of a, of a case that can be made there. There's no, just a, a, a I just plethora of good backs. Definitely. Like, it, I don't see – if you can get a Kareem Hunt late in the third, early fourth, um, I don't see a ton of difference between, you know, Alvin Kamara and Kareem Hunt when it comes down to it. And if you can save, uh, you know, you know, 50 to 100 picks between the two, then, you know, that, that gives you something to play with. Absolutely. And, unfortunately, uh, Deshaun Jones out of tiny Campbell University um, really if it hadn't been for a knee injury that he kind of suffered late. I think that he might be someone that would really be kind of challenging uh, as one of those kind of small school guys or someone that can come in on a practice squad for a year or two, but another guy that I really like. But before we'll, we'll move on here to the wide receivers and tight ends, also good thing you brought up about Alvin Kamara. And for those who had not heard, I believe it's, it's going to be going out in our uh, blog tonight that we're going to be updating. Uh, you talked a little bit about Jalen Hurd. Uh, for those who had not, quote, heard yet, pardon the bad pun, but it looks like he will be transferring to Baylor where it looks like he's going to be a wide receiver. So that's going to be very interesting to see him playing the slot and trying to make that full-time uh, transition to the wide receiver position. And what a great segue that was. Let's just go with the wide receivers. Oh. See what I did there. Love that. Yeah, not- every now and again, every now and then, I'm kind of oh, we'll, we'll let you tackle the wide receivers right out of the gate. Who, uh, who's kind of standing out for you here? As far as the wide receivers, I think this is kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, not quite as good as the running backs. I, I think maybe a little a little leaner than what we've seen in years past from wide receivers, but it's not a bad class either. I, I kind of agree this the middle of the road. What's your what's your thoughts about the class overall and maybe some individuals that stand out for you? Sure. Um, yeah, pretty middle of the road class. Doesn't have that elite prospect. Mike Williams, Corey Davis, John Ross are very good. Um, but I don't think – I see most of them – I think mean, Corey Davis has the most upside to become a true number one receiver for a team. Um, but they, I think they're all kind of a, you know, number two receiver on a good, on a good football team behind a number one guy. Um, I do like Mike Williams. I think he'll be the first one taken off the board. Um, just put on his film. You watch the national championship against Alabama. 
the guy goes up and gets the football. I, I don't know how well he'll do that against NFL corners or if it'll be a consistent, but uh, even with, if he goes to a team, um, say Buffalo, or somebody who, you know, Tyrod Taylor is not the most accurate quarterback, he can still save a quarterback going up with that catch radius to be able to make plays on it. Um, but I do kind of see if there's somebody that's going to drop, it's going to be John Ross. I just think those medical red flags are going to drop him into the first half of the second round. Um, I do like him, but I just think he's a little risky to take in the first round. With the you know the hand could drop, and um, you know like I said, the medical red flags are going to be the number one reason I think he dropped a little bit. Um, as for some middle of the road guys, uh, some second tier, um, I like Josh Reynolds from Texas A&M. Very good route runner, good set of hands. I think if there's this year's kind of Michael Thomas who went to the Saints last year, I think he's right there. I think he could come in and be a uh, decent number two receiver for the right offense. Uh, I also like Chad Hansen from Cal. And I would say in the later rounds, the guys that I like are Mac Collins. Uh, had a collarbone injury. He's from North Carolina. Um, but a lot of teams like his film. I, I think he'll end up dropping a little bit. But if you can get him in the fourth or fifth round, I think teams are going to be thrilled to get him. Um, and then some smaller school guys. Um, Obviously, I'm a pretty big fan of the kid from Louisiana, um, Trent Taylor. A slot guy, kind of been compared to Wes Welker. I don't think he's going to be that good, and he wasn't that productive in college as Welker was at Texas Tech. But it can come in, maybe, you know, give you a, a poor Danny Amendola, you know, worth a you know, sixth or seventh round pick. I got gotcha. you, and uh, I agree with Corey Davis. I like the assessment there. I think he's the most polished of the receivers uh, out of Western Michigan, but he's a guy that's shown that he's not just doing this against kind of middle tier like Mac or Conference USA talent. He's done it against the big schools. There's been enough film on him, kind of uh, with Western Michigan playing some of the bigger schools, where he's 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 made some quote top top flight uh, safeties and and cornerbacks look pretty bad. And he's a guy that's he's not a real burner. He's not just a, an overall possession receiver. He seems to just I don't know. There, there's nothing that he does outstanding, but there's really nothing that he does poorly. He just just seems to be the, the most fluid and consistent receiver of the bunch. I think Chris Godwin out of Penn State's the guy who's catching the most fire right now. He's a guy that I think is going to has pushed himself from I would say late third, early fourth round, probably into the top 45. I see him in the the top to middle tier of round two. Um, and if there's a couple, there's always a couple guys that kind of surprise us, like, what, he went the end of round one? Don't be surprised. It's kind of a, a lightning kind of ascension right now, but if Godwin were to sneak into the late stages of round one, it would, it would not shock me. But I really feel like, you know, the, the number one guy coming into this year was really Juju Smith-Schuster out of, out of uh, Southern Cal. He's a guy who I think has, you know, the most talent athletically. I don't think he measured quite as, as tall. Being only 6'1", he seems to play a lot taller. Doesn't really have the speed. It's kind of reminiscent to what we saw from maybe Keyshawn Johnson from, from years past there at USC. Not quite as polished there, but very, very good receiver. I think you get him in the right system, you make sure that he stays motivated. Uh, he's a guy that's going to pay big dividends, but there, there's, there's some bust potential there as well. He's a guy that uh, sometimes the effort has been questioned. I think Shelton Gibson out of West Virginia has caught the attention of a lot of people, but he's just not someone I'm, I'm quite as high on. Not not quite as high on Josh Malone, another guy who's got all the measurables out of Tennessee, but just feel, again, a little bit lackadaisical. We see him kind of 
just not not a guy that's going to be a Chris Brout runner at the next next level. Same with Isaiah Ford out of Virginia Tech, who's got all the talent in the world. Um, he could be like the second or third best receiver in this class just based on pure athletic talent. But another guy, I think uh, part of it is just a little lackadaisical as well as not really being in an offense that uh, really kind of showcased uh, what he was able to do there at Virginia Tech. They didn't really have that vertical passing game going on there to really showcase his skills. But as far as some, some small school guys, I've been very high on Gary Brown. That's Gary with two R's out of Cal University of Pennsylvania. Not, uh, you know, there's a lot of very good uh, players coming from Pennsylvania from the small schools. Him and Julian Davenport, uh, there are a couple of guys that are going to go off the board early. Uh, here from, from Cal and, and, you know, those small schools in Pennsylvania, they've, they've had some big people in the past. You look at a school like Kutztown, you know, they've had a couple first rounders and even a Hall of Famer, Andre Reed, John Mobley, the great, uh, linebacker out of Denver coming from, from those areas. So, Chad Williams out of Grambling, another guy, and and another guy just looks like a, a man child when you look at him on film and and what he went against. Uh, Kenny Galladay out of Northern Illinois, another team that doesn't really kind of feature that that down downfield passing, but it's six four and a half, about two twenty five. Uh, he just looked to dwarf the competition. Uh, he's a guy that I think. Uh, I just don't think we've – he was really tested, and there, there's more to be seen from him. I think he's someone that's going to go to a, a team and maybe uh, kind of toil around for a year or two before we really kind of see the best out of him. But there's there's a lot of kind of untapped potential there. Um, and I really like Jalen Robinette. Again, Air Force, not a team that's going to throw the ball a lot. He doesn't really have the speed, a little bit slower, only running about in the 4-6 range. But at 6-3, there's some talk that, you know, he's he's just so good with his hands and blocking – that maybe he becomes that H-back type, that Evan Ingram kind of player out of out of Ole Miss, or or if he's going to be, you know, a guy that I was big on years ago was Marcus Colston when he came out of Hofstra, had some injury problems, thought he'd have to move to tight end, but he was able to get enough separation and, and make it as a wide receiver. I see Jalen Robinette as kind of that same player, again, even though he came from Air Force, and if you can think of an Air Force wide receiver that's made it to the next level, congratulations, because I can't off the top of my head. That might be the, the one that thumps me. <laughs> he might I be will, the first. Uh, before, before we move on to the next position, just a quick um, kind of a hybrid guy, Curtis Samuel. Where do you see him fitting in at running back or receiver? You can think he's kind of just a hybrid, do-it-all type guy. I, I think he's more of a receiver, but it's a, it's a, good, it's a good comparison there because we're – where McCaffrey's more of the runner, I think Samuel's more of the wide receiver. But you know, you're seeing more of you're seeing more offenses that are actually putting these wide receivers in the background to get them touches. And we're not just talking about um, what Green Bay had done last year um, after you know the the unfortunate injury or injuries to Eddie Lacy and the fact that they were getting Ty Montgomery the ball so much. You know, teams like uh, the Rams and the Chiefs that were you know kind of started back with the Dante Halls, or we see it with. Some of these guys that they're trying to get their just get the get their hands on the ball and just kind of letting them make plays. Um, uh, Tyreek Hill out of uh, Kansas City was able to do that in the return game and kind of put him in the backfield. Samuel's that guy. I think he's going to be more that wide receiver, but absolutely he's got enough moxie where you can line him up in the backfield and you can make him a mismatch and he can run the football for you. Definitely, yeah. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. I, I've seen anywhere from like even late first round to. You know, third, fourth round, just off, you know, side. So it'll be interesting to see where he lands on draft. 
Again. And it brings us to the tight ends. We'll spend a little bit of time there also. Of course, O.J. Howard being the big talk of this class. There's some other good tight ends uh, in this class, but uh, do you think O.J. Howard is really, I would say, worthy of a top ten selection? We're hearing more and more about him going top ten. There's even some buzz, maybe even top five, which is almost unheard of for a tight end. Do you think that's warranted for a player like O.J. Howard? Uh, I mean, I think when you look at just size, speed, athleticism, and you put on the pace, uh, he's one of those rare. He could go out and, you know, run any route, catch any, you know, he can run the deep ball, quick intermediate route. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, he's a willing blocker. I, I, he's got some room to develop there. But, I mean, you just put on the tape from him at Alabama, and you can see that, you know, he takes blocking seriously. Um, some people worry about, you know, the statistics. But you've heard Nick Saban come out recently uh, since the season ended saying we should have gotten the ball more. The offense, you know, should have found more plays for him to time. But um, I think top five is a little aggressive. But uh, definitely when you get into that 10-15 range, uh, some teams, if we do see the jump in teams trading up the quarterback, those teams trading back into the lower rounds, I mean into the uh, lower half of the first, that 10-20 to 20 range, I think if O.J. Howard's there, I think they're going to jump all over it. I'm glad you made that point. I think he is another player that's going to be the target of some player movement. A team like the Titans, who may be looking at him at number five, possibly even dangling him out there, just because the Jets, there's a lot of interest there as well. There's some talk at Fournette's off the board. Maybe the Jets go O.J. Howard. They haven't had a, a tight end that's been serviceable there in some time. That maybe with Tennessee, with the picks at 5 and 18, maybe they use that as kind of a, a bargaining chip to kind of move back, acquire some more picks. So I think that's going to be uh, very attractive. But um, David Njoku, a guy that we've – we only uh, got uh, two years. I mean, he's a redshirt sophomore out of, of Miami. He's more of a guy that you can kind of split out and be a wide receiver, kind of like another guy that came from Miami as a basketball player, Jimmy, a la Jimmy Graham. You know, Miami's really kind of uh, – tight end you when you think about it. A lot of good players coming out of out of their recent years. You know, you had Clive Walford there, Greg Olson. Looks to be continuing the trend of good tight ends out of uh, the University of Miami. I think he's going to get a lot of play. But there's some very good small schoolers. Adam Shaheen out of Ashland, who actually left early. Uh, and, and there's a guy who's caught over 180 passes the last two seasons. But not only that, but he's got great size at 275 pounds. He's almost like an extra offensive lineman very good in short-yarded situations, lined him up a lot in the backfield, kind of out of that fullback set where he was, so he can kind of be utilized as a little bit like a fullback at the NFL level. Eric Saubert out of out of Drake. There's a lot of very good small, small school tight ends here. Um, what I'm impressed is there's a lot of tight ends that can actually block in this draft. Sometimes we get so caught up in people that can catch the football and stretch defenses and what they're going to do catching the football. I'm, I'm impressed with the number of complete tight ends in this draft, tight ends that can not only catch, uh, but that, that can be very useful blockers and aren't going to take as long adapting to the NFL game before they're ready to come in and, and block. Any other tight ends that are kind of standing out to you at this point? Sure. Um, I'm not as big on David um, Najogu from Miami. I think if there's a bus player, if he gets, ends up getting taken in that 15 to 20 range, 
I think uh, team's going to regret that. I, I see him as kind of more of a track star type guy at the position. Um, decent blocker, but I think he's more of a second-round talent. Uh, I know he's been getting a lot of hype throughout the draft process. I This was a film I've watched. I just don't see – I see a, a lot of potential, but I just don't see where he's going to come in day one and be that guy at the tight end position. Um, I like Evan Ingram. I think if he gets in the right team, he's going to be dangerous because um, I don't think he's going to be asked to line up in line so much and block. And I think a team's going to come in and use him as a Jordan Reed, get in the slot, maybe even line up out on the perimeter and just make plays on throwing down. Uh, big fan of uh, Gerald Everett from South Alabama. I think he could go as early as, um, you know, in that top 50 range. Uh, I think he's got a lot of ball skills. I've had a great off-season draft process so far. Um, you got to like Bucky Hodge. If you can get him in the third round, he's worth uh, just the size and catching ability is worth taking a chance on. And it's like you said, there's some, there's some really good blocking tight ends that are going to get some views there in the third, fourth round that are going to jump up. Jeremy Sprinkle from uh, Arkansas, George Kittle, Iowa, just tough guys that you can put on the end of the line. And, you know, Jeremy Sprinkle actually is pretty athletic, and I think he could uh, go as high as the third round. Uh, you also have Jake Butt, who's obviously recovering from a knee injury. It'll be interesting to, where, to see where he goes, but teams are a fan of him, so I've seen him going in third. Um, as for a late-round guy, uh, small school, uh, Billy Brown from Shepard, uh, very good receiving guy. Um, you know, has a lot of work to do, obviously, going from Shepard to the NFL, but somebody to keep an eye on as a late-round flyer for a team. Yep, wide receiver who's – I think everyone's agreed that he's just not going to be able to get the separation at the next level. He's got the size to be a tight end. So the conversion's already kind of started there. Um, and, you know, you had mentioned uh, Kareem Hunt earlier, but uh, we can go with his Toledo teammate, not as much on the blocking tip, but uh, Michael Roberts, a uh, very good uh, tight end there, who I think is going to attract some, some attention in the middle round. Mm-hmm. So around the offensive yeah, I mean, line, little little uh, thinner here. Uh, we might not see an offensive tackle go in the top 20, which is almost unheard of in the last – Mock draft, we, the first tackle we have off the board is actually Cam Robinson at 20 going to the Broncos. Do you think this is more just of a product of this is such a defensive-heavy draft and, and other players that are better positions, or do you think it's a little more of a down year for maybe the linemen in this draft? I definitely think it's a down year. Um, I still think we'll see a tackle taken in the top 20. Um, just news recently, um, I'm from Baltimore, and – we, I'm seeing a lot of the Ravens are looking at Cam Robinson, uh, maybe even Forrest Lamb. They've got two big holes in that offensive line they need to fill. Uh, you've also kind of seen around maybe Garrett Bowles or even Cam Robinson, maybe even going top ten to say uh, Los Angeles Chargers or even the Jets at number six. Some even Jacksonville at four. I think that's a little that's stretching a little bit for them to go to those teams. I think they have to be willing to trade down into the teams. I think we'll see at least one go in the top twenty. But you're right. Um, I think this, there's just not very much talent at tackle position. Um, I think Bowles and um, Ryan Ramchek from Wisconsin, uh, one-year starters at the D1 level. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they um, develop in the NFL because I'm sure if they're going to be taking the first round, teams expecting them to start at left or right tackle right off the start. I think the safest pick is Cam Robinson, uh, you know, played in the SEC, played on that Alabama line. Uh, you know, might be. I think he's more of a right tackle just because he doesn't have the athleticism. Um, but I, I think he could also move into guard and be pretty, pretty darn good as well. 
Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, a lot has been made of Forrest Lamb at uh, Western Kentucky. Guy started as a tackle is going to have to move inside. And, and not only does it, to me, have short arms for a tackle, but even for the guard on the inside, I'm a little bit concerned there. Not quite as high on him. I think, obviously, he's very athletic. Maybe the, the right team that's going to utilize him on some sweeps or get him out in the run game. But I do like Cam Robinson. I do like the fact what you brought up about the Ravens because uh, the Ricky Wagner loss to me is, is one of the, the bigger losses that nobody seems to talk about. A lot of NFL people out there are going, well, who's Ricky Wagner? I never heard of him. I'm like, exactly. You didn't because he did his job. He was just yeah. that quiet right tackle that you never had to worry about. And uh, right. I think that is a big loss for the Ravens. And I think the, the Ravens at 16, that could be where we see Cam Robinson, could be that first offensive lineman off the board, even though they went Ronnie Stanley last year. I, I think that uh, we're seeing more and more teams kind of build through the line. It just kind of makes sense to me. Um, there, but there are some some people you can get in the later rounds. Parker Collins out of Appalachian State. Talk about a, a guard that I think from a smaller school that I think can make an impact. Just, looks to, just has the look of a New England Patriot to me. You know, someone that the Patriots would probably take a flyer on in like round five and you know, in two years, he's winning a Super Bowl and he's like an All Pro. It just seems to seems to have that pedigree about him. Uh, Dan Skipper, huge offensive tackle out of Arkansas, uh, another guy who I think has the uh, definitely has the the talent. Will Holden out of Vanderbilt, another guy that I, I just don't think enough people talk about. Um, but but uh, Antonio Garcia, we hear a lot about him out of Troy. I think he's going to be more of a guard, but not quite as high on him. But uh, he's interesting because he's actually started every position except for center at the, the collegiate level, so he's a guy who can move around the line. But um, a, a couple other, you know, Connor McDermott out of UCLA, uh, like a Chad Wheeler, I think those are some guys who in two to three years maybe they develop into something, uh, but they're, they're going to need a lot of time from the sideline kind of looking at things. But I agree it's a little bit of a down year. I would say uh, for, the strength of the offensive line would come – from the guard position, you look at that second, third round, I could see five or six guards go. you got Dan Feeney from Indiana, Dorian Johnson, Pitt, uh, Deion Dawkins, who's kind of a tackle guard kind of type. I think he'll probably play guard the next level. And Taylor Mouton from Western Michigan, who I think is probably, by the, you know, we, we go back five years from now, he's going to end up, I think, being the best overall offensive lineman out of this draft. I and compared him on the site to Kalichi Assembly, I think he could play I think he's a natural guard who's going to be able to go in there and just be a mauler. But a team could use him at right tackle, you know, if they needed to. But I think that guard position in the second, third round, I think there's going to be a lot of them taken off the board. Yeah, and it's not just about tackles anymore. Uh, you definitely need some good guards and, and interior interior play. But going, sliding over to the defense, we look at defensive end. That is, you know, that that's where all the talent's at here. It, it's just absolutely loaded. Could we see potentially, I'd say maybe between outside linebacker and defensive end, we could see 10 selections in the first round, and it, uh, it would not surprise me at all. And I even think some some players that were thought of once as fifth or sixth round picks moving into the you know the top three rounds, like a Terrell Basham out of Ohio, like Derek Rivers out of Youngstown State, they're going to make a case there. Carl Lawson out of Auburn is going to make a late push, maybe going to a team like Atlanta at the end of the first round. We've had Miles Garrett number one all year long. I think Derek Barnett, to me, is still one of the five best players in this whole draft. I think he gets overshadowed a little bit because he, too, is a 
a junior playing defensive end in the same conference as Garrett. But uh, to call him a poor um, poor man's Miles Garrett is really a disservice to how good Derek Barnett really is. Um, Demarcus Walker out of Florida State, not uh, more of a complete guy, is not going to be the guy that's going to get after the quarterback all the time, but he can really play the run from the defensive end position. Uh, I think he's a guy that's, you know, someone looking for that athlete that's that's going to be able to stay home and, and guard the edge, and uh, he's a guy that uh, I think could get it done. Uh, even you know, Deshaun Hall, the the line mate of Miles Garrett at Texas A&M, he's, he's probably looking at a third-round grade right now. So there is just so much, so much uh, talent at the defensive end position. Uh, who's a who's a player or two that you really like here? Um, obviously, you look at Miles Garrett. Um, probably in that Jadavion Clowney. Some might even say he's more athletic, which maybe takes him up even to higher higher level than Clowney. Um, it's interesting to see whether you put Solomon Thomas or Jonathan Allen on that interior. I think that's where they'll end up, but they can definitely play on the edge. Um, I like Derek Barnett, not as big a fan. I think he deserves to be drafted in the later half of the, of the first round. I, I just don't think he's got the athleticism to consistently do it, but, I mean, that motor and production of Tennessee is, is out there on film, and, you, I mean, he's going to be a safe pick for whoever gets him. Um, I like Charles Harris a lot. Uh, I was on Charles Harris. I, I mean, I hate to say it, he's starting to get top 15 love. I've been all about Charles Harris in that top 15 since early on in the process. Uh, I think he's a very good player. Um, to, and then you have Tack McKinley, Taco Charles, and all those guys are probably going to end up first-round prospects. Uh, some middle-tier guys, I, I, I don't know about Carl Lawson and Jordan Willis. I just don't know if the athleticism's there. Uh, I think they'll probably be second, third-round picks. Uh, like you said, Demarcus Walker, interesting player. He comes in at 280. I don't know if he's going to fit into that tweener role, which I, I don't know if the team's going to know where to put him um, consistently to play every down. And then a uh, big fan of Derek Rivers uh, from Youngstown State, just pure pass rusher. I think he needs to work on, you know, stopping the run to see the field every down. But if you're, lo- if you're a second-round team and you're looking for somebody to get to the quarterback, I think Derek Rivers is that guy. Um, but you start looking further into the late round, that sixth, seventh round, it, it really tails off there, uh, kind of towards the end. It'll be interesting to see where DeWan moves from Illinois, productive guy in college, where he ends up, could be anywhere from the third to sixth round. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, this first four or five rounds, I think there's a lot of talent to be had there, um, and I think teams are going to jump all over it. Yeah, and, and there's some good small schoolers here as well. You, you not only have to look at uh, Derek Rivers, but you can look at Avery Moss, the guy who played on the on the other side, uh, a guy who was almost as productive. Uh, I think uh, Rivers gets a lot of the love there, but Moss is definitely no slouch, and sometimes he's the benefactor of uh, maybe a little too much attention being uh, shown to the other side of the football field. But uh, Derek Rivers may have been the best defensive end at the Senior Bowl. There was a, It was really a good year for small school players at the Senior Bowl, especially in the secondary. Uh, actually, all three interceptions came from, during the Senior Bowl, uh, the game itself actually came from players who did not play at a, at a D1 level. So I think that that was, that was big. Colin Bevins, another guy that I really like out of Northwest Missouri State, he's kind of that tweener because it's 6'5 at about 275. He can fill out a little more and I think be that athletic defensive tackle and go in the interior or maybe a team that, that puts him on the end, or maybe he is on the end in what, maybe a 3-4 set, maybe a team like Cleveland or San Diego that's going to 
one a bigger guy along the outside. He's a guy, uh, to me, uh, along with Carter Schultz out of Northern Iowa, another very good uh, school that's produced a number of NFL prospects. He just looks to be the next in line. That, that I think, can make some noise at the next level. And that takes us to the interior a little bit. You know, we, we did talk about Jonathan Allen. I think the shoulder will con- will cause a, a little bit of, quote, pain for some of these teams. Uh, Chris Wormley out of Michigan is a guy who just does not get enough attention. Malik McDowell, who he's put on some weight, so we got we got to see how it is, uh, how explosive he's been. But he's really been undersized, played most of the year at about that 282, 284 range. He's up to about 295 right now, so we'll have to see. Uh, if that he can keep that same explosion or if he's going to lose a little bit of weight like Aaron Donald did. He kind of bulked up and then kind of lost a little bit, but he's been very productive at the NFL level. Of course, we don't have to doesn't take a rocket scientist to see uh, that Caleb Brantley has really kind of screwed himself out of a, a lot of money with uh, the yeah. domestic violence implications that uh, have just arisen, which there always seems to be a player or two where you just want to bang your head against the wall and just go, why? Uh, Vincent Taylor out of Oklahoma State could be that guy that you take in the middle rounds. Uh, Elijah Qualls as well. Both both were uh, under uh, underclassmen. Qualls being from Washington. Um, even though only at six one, but he's kind of like that uh, ball that's really just going to be there to, to defend against the run. But there's just one mammoth guy. Uh, you know, Brandon Williams. How we're talking about you know a Raven guy kind of uh, came out of a what Northwest Missouri State. A player that's very, very similar, Grover Stewart from Albany, is getting a lot of a lot of love, and I think we're we could see him. I've got him, I believe, up in the fourth round now, one of the early picks of day three. Um, I, there's a number of teams interested in him, and he plays at about 345. Uh, I think there's there's five or six teams that are showing him an immense amount of uh, interest right now. Teams like Oakland have been all over him, Houston. Uh, there's, there's a number of teams that have really been on the Grover Stewart bandwagon. He could be, again, it's not that sexy position. He's a guy that's just going to eat up the line, a la maybe like a Casey Hampton in Pittsburgh, who I said for years when Pittsburgh was, was really making their runs there. Casey Hampton was really the unsung hero of that defense. You have a guy who just plugs up the middle of that line and then causes you to, to bounce off the edge or just kind of takes care of business there in the middle and makes things easier for your linebackers. It just it just does wonders for your defense, and Grover Stewart's a guy that that I think is going to do that at the next level. No, I I'm a big Grover Stewart fan. Um, I it's like you said. I mean, I think you get to that early day three. I think he's going to be a name that comes off the uh, board pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, you just look how much just in the past two seasons, nose tackles, uh, Damon Harris, uh, Brandon Williams. They both you know, their paychecks increased significantly because of their ability to. Uh, take on two blockers, play that one tech very well, let linebackers run around free. So I definitely think you're going to see a few nose tackles. Um, another one I like is Dalvin Tomlinson. Played at Alabama, doesn't get as much love, but I can see him going even in the late second round to a team that needs a nose tackle. I keep an eye on Houston. They, it doesn't look like Vince Wilfork is going to be coming back. So I think he's an interesting prospect there. Um, it's like you said, Chris Warmly, another one I like, just a high-motor guy. Uh, incredible against the run. Needs to probably develop a little bit as a pass rusher, but a, a, he can come and play the five-tech or the three-tech and just be a run stuffer for you. Um, some guys that I think are getting a little too much love that I don't, I'm not as high on is Elijah Qualls, Washington, kind of a lazy player. Uh, has some talent, kind of a really poor man, Danny Shelton. Uh, 
Um, Nazir Jones from North Carolina, another guy, talent, but just doesn't flash enough for me. And um, some guys I like in the later rounds or could even hop up are Charles Walker, Oklahoma. Had some concussion issues, uh, also left the team. But, I mean, the guy's got talent. He's a disruptive force from the interior. And I think you could see a team take a, cha- take a chance on him in the middle round. Um, also, uh, Larry Agunjabi, Charlotte. Uh, you know, it looks like he's pretty consistently in the third, fourth round of so, uh, another small school guy that's kind of – he's kind of been in the, in the draft process the whole time. I think Mel Kuyper – Mayock on NFL Network has had him in his top five defensive uh, interior players since the get-go. So he's kind of got a little bit of love from the start. Yeah, and uh, good program there as well. Charlotte's really made leaps and bounds in, in the short amount of time that they've actually been at the – moved up and made the leap to the, the D1 level. They've, they've really done a – or I, I should say the FBS level, they've done a fantastic job. Takes us into the linebackers. You know, it's more about the outside linebackers and getting some pressure on the quarterback, but there's some good inside guys as well. Reuben Foster, how far does he fall? Maybe he's not even the first middle linebacker off the board. It seems like he's going down while uh, Jared Davis is moving up from Florida, probably off of the, um, the board in the first round. A team like uh, Oakland, uh, possibly even Detroit at 21, so where it looked like he was a, a middle round two guy, and he's looking like he's going to be kind of in that back third of uh, of round one. Love Anthony Walker Jr. out of Northwestern. Don't think he gets enough publicity. Connor Harris out of Lindenwood. Got to get that uh, sub six foot uh, stout middle linebacker there that just was just all over the football field. He's just one of those guys who doesn't have straight line speed, but he just takes such great angles that he always seems to be in the middle of a play. When, and when you look at him athletically and the way he's built and his speed, you're like, how does this guy do it? It's kind of almost like a London Fletcher where he just looks, just doesn't look the part, but he's just always in the middle of a play. So uh, Connor Harris, to me, is kind of that guy. An outside linebacker, Hassan Reddick is the guy who is really getting a lot of attention right now. And what a story. This is a guy who was a walk-on basically came in uh, to Temple as in the secondary, worked his way up to the defensive end position, just made play after play, just seemed to be living in the backfield. Looks like he's going to project as an outside linebacker at the next level. And he's another guy with, uh, I think, with Charles Harris, who suddenly jumped from the later stages of round one into possibly the middle stages of the first round. Could be in that, like, 12 to 20 range, uh, where it looked like three, four weeks ago, we're like, is he really going to be in the first round? And now it's, it's, is he going to be in the top half of, half of the first round? I uh, really got to look at like a Ryan Anderson out of Alabama. I think there's so many, so many good players on that Crimson Tide defense that Anderson to me is the guy that kind of gets buried. They have those people in the secondary that we, we talk about. And of course, the, the great defensive line led by, um, by, uh, Jonathan Allen. But, uh, Anderson, Ryan Anderson to me is kind of that lost kind of cog in it where, Another guy who just was everywhere, just seemed to make play after play. Um, but another guy who I think was looking more like a sixth or seventh round pick that I think I've got him as high as round three, Markel Lee out of Wake Forest, who I think is going to project more as an inside linebacker, vice outside where he played at Wake Forest. Uh, this is a guy that's just a tackling machine. I think right if you just put on a tape of, of a linebacker at this level that just – if you're teaching an instructional video to a youngster and saying this is how you tackle, 
you just put in Mark Kelly. This is a guy that just all he does is tackle. He just looks so fundamentally sound, technically fluid. Um, not quite the athlete of some of these guys up top here. He'd be he'd be first round talent, but uh, Markel Lee just uh, the guy just does not miss tackles. I can count on one hand. I think the amount of tackles I've seen him miss over the last two years. So another guy who I think is really going to jump up the board. Um, so who do we like at the at the linebacker level? I think this is a deep another deep position. I, I don't know if it's got an elite guy, somebody who you. You know, skill is going to be a difference maker. Ruben Foster is probably the only guy that you're going to feel that you can bring on your defense and, you know, make play after play after play after play. But there are a lot of really good players. Uh, Raekwon McMillan, I think if you can get him at the right spot, he, I mean, he has been getting glowing reviews for his character, uh, work ethic. I think he's one of those guys that could just come in, you put the C on his chest, he's a captain for five, six years, a good run stuffer, really needs to improve against the pass, but I, I think he's somebody, if you can get him late second, third round and don't make a reach for him in the early second, I think he's going to end up being a very good prospect, somebody who's going to play in the league for a long time. Um, Ruben Foster, obviously, maybe one of the top three players in this draft. It'll be interesting to see where he goes after the failed drug test. I'm hearing a lot that it, it still looks like he's going to probably go in the top 25. Um, some team, I mean, you saw Shane Ray a couple of years ago, uh, Denver took him at 23, and I think somebody will probably take him in the team. Um, Zach Cunningham, I think if he goes to the right team, has some big boys in front of him, and uh, is allowed to just run around and make tackles. I think he's going to be a very good player. Um, again, sticking with the interior middle linebackers, Blair Brown, another player kind of like Mark Markwell Lee, getting some love here, maybe you know third, fourth round range, uh, a little undersized, but. Um, stocky guy, uh, if he can really get better on shedding blocks, I think he's going to you know, be somebody who can stick out there. Um, one guy that I like on the interior that um, you know, probably will go in the 6th, 7th round, but just plays ugly football, you know, hand in the dirt, just making play after play is Ben Bulware from Clemson. Um, I don't know, he, he might only be a special teams guy, but I feel if you could just stick him out there on a run downtown to go find the ball carrier, he's going to do it. Um, kind of looking more towards the outside pass rush, uh, outside linebacker range. And like you said, DJ, um, Hassan Riddick been made the most impressive um, player throughout the draft process, just going from probably, you know, a third, fourth-round prospect to all of a sudden, you know, almost guaranteed a top 20 pick. Um, I like Tyus Bowser a lot. Um, I, I think he's an interesting fit as an edge guy, pass rusher. Um, I like him to start getting viewed in that later half, maybe that Oakland Raiders or Seattle, or Seattle Seahawks. I could see him being a really good fit in those defenses. Uh, Jared Davis, another just, you know, find the ball carrier, make plays. I, I think he's guaranteed to go in the first. He might even get drafted before Ruben Foster. Could be if the team's on the fence on Ruben Foster, Jared Davis could be the one from Florida that, uh, you know, kind of replaces him for that team. Um, some guys that, you know, don't get mentioned as much on the outside, Joe Mathis, I think he's more from Washington. I think he's more of just a pure pass rusher, but uh, had some injuries. Uh, some say he would have gone in, the, you know, day two of the draft, but now looking at day three, uh, I think it's going to be interested in him. And another guy with some injury trouble, Jalen Reeves and Maven, um, very athletic cover guy, probably can't play a ton on rundown. Uh, just from pure size, he gets pushed around a little bit. Also has been uh, rumored to be a little lazy. 
But um, I think if you put him out there on third down and you just tell him to cover somebody, a tight end running back out of the back, but he's going to be one of the better ones at that. But um, And then just to mention T.J. Watt, um, uh, again, probably an edge guy, more pass rusher than linebacker, but it, it seems like he has the ability to cover in space, so he could see some time at you know, the, the second level. I like it. We're bringing it into the home stretch here with the secondary cornerbacks. This is one of the most interesting positions because there's a huge debate going as to who is actually going to be this first corner off the board. First off, I really thought it was going to be Sidney Jones, and unfortunately the Achilles tear, it's, it's going to push him back probably into the later stages of day two. And all the players at the top, Marshawn Lattimore, Garyon Conley, we've got uh, Marlon Humphrey, all very good players, but there, there seems to be a knock on every one. So, Really, I think you go with, uh, it's kind of interesting, with Sidney Jones going down, I think you go to the teammate, and I think if I'm going to make a bold prediction here, it could be that Kevin King is actually the first corner off the board. I think that that size at 6'3", you're just seeing NFL receivers getting bigger and bigger, and the fact that the years of the, you know, we used to see so many very good corners at 5'9", 5'10", that, that's ending. Uh 5'11 is considered pretty short now. A lot of these teams are looking for the six foot, six one guys. You get a guy like Kevin King at uh, a stout 6'3 that can run under a, a four in the shuttle. Uh, I think it's just opening a lot of eyes. And I, I think that teams are getting a little, a little gun shy on Lattimore. And if that's the case, I would not be shocked if Kevin King is actually the first corner off the board. But I think that there's a lot of projects, I would say, in later rounds, guys that could pan out a little bit later. One guy that jumps out at me, Howard Wilson out of Houston. This guy left after just two years. I'm kind of banging my head here because this guy's probably going to go in the fourth to fifth round. Had he stayed just another year and I think come out as a junior, I think he's a first-round pick next year. Uh, it just boggles my mind. Again, great size at one, a little bit undersized, doesn't have the blazing straight line speed, but he moves well laterally. Uh, great broad jump numbers. Uh, the, the fact that he's just and and the the shuttle, he's he's just a guy that can can get it done and great great in the return game as well. Jalen Myrick out of Minnesota, another guy who's just flying up the boards. Uh, very reminiscent to what we saw Byron Jones do a couple years ago when he had that you know amazing broad jump and kind of moved him from the third to the first round and played well with the Cowboys and he's kind of been that hybrid cornerback slash safety. Uh, Myrick seems to be the same type of player. A little bit smaller, but he's really kind of built like a linebacker, even though he's a, a cornerback. It's just an interesting build to be that athletic. I uh, really like him a lot. I think that uh, he's probably moved into the third round. Uh, DeMonte Kazee out of uh, San Diego State, a guy who kind of toyed with coming out last year at the last minute. He pulled his name back out. I uh, don't think he made as much of a an impact this year. I think he'll be there around like a – round four, round five, but he's a guy that's, I think, going to make an impact. Brendan Langley, one of these guys that I talked about that was uh, from outside the Division One ranks out of Lamar, uh, had a couple of picks in the Senior Bowl, played really well. Uh, I think he's a guy that I caught a lot of attention, probably somewhere in the middle rounds. So, And then uh, looking at the safeties, you know, Jamal Adams to me is, is the best player in the secondary in this whole draft. I think he's the best safety in the process uh, out of LSU. Malik Hooker, kind of more the the ball hawker. But um, uh, Desmond King, to me, is the other guy here because, to me, 
I thought he was the best cornerback last year, won the Jim Thorpe Award out of Iowa. Speed kind of issues and concerns, more teams are viewing him as a safety now, and I think it probably drops him to the second or third round, but there's, he just makes too many plays. It's uh, just a guy who is It's definitely going to translate at the next level, and I, I see him making a lot of plays. But, again, this is another area where we're going to have some small school players. Uh, Casey DeAndre out of New Hampshire I think is a guy who's – uh, we're going to see actually uh, making a big impact. Uh, you know, Richie Sampson. There's a couple of players here um, that I that I think are are going to be in that sixth, seventh round, maybe even uh, undrafted free agents that are going to make some, maybe start the year on a practice squad, maybe make the roster, and by the second half of the year, when some of these other youngsters are hitting that rookie wall, they come in, get some playing time, and make the best of it. Uh, as far as the safeties, who kind of stands out to you, or who do you think is the best in the class? I would say from I well started the safeties off by obviously the Jabril Peppers news earlier today, um, failing a drug test just like Ruben Foster. Um, so you got to figure he was kind of one of the tough players to you know really evaluate since he kind of didn't have a position. He was kind of a nickel linebacker safety. No one really knew if he could cover. Well, didn't have a fantastic ball skills, one career interception in Michigan. So I think he's kind of moved to the second round at this point. Um, I think Jamal Adams is probably – Jamal Adams and Malik Hooker, Jamal Adams out of LSU, Malik Hooker out of Ohio State, are probably two top 15 picks. I almost guarantee they both go top 15. Um, very, very good talent. I think Jamal Adams is more NFL-ready just because he can kind of do a little bit of it all, tackle, uh, play coverage. Malik Hooker more of just a – you know, back-end safety, just let him run around and make plays. It will be interesting to see Malik Hooker in the NFL try to tackle people and to see how he does without – in college he had Garyon Conley and Marshawn Lattimore uh, playing corner in front of him. So he was really allowed to just play rangy football back there, just run and find the ball. So it will be interesting if he goes to a team, say San Francisco or Chicago, that has limited corners. Does he turn out to be more more of a gambler and get beat a lot? But I think he's going to be very good. Uh, another player I like, two very good athletic safeties that I think could kind of move into the late first round if the team's willing to take. Uh, Pittsburgh has been rumored to be interested in safety corners. Uh, I think Obi Melifonwu from UConn um, kind of gets compared to another former Connecticut Husky, uh, Byron Jones, just off size and pure athleticism. Uh, I mean, it's hard to find somebody that is that athletic. Uh, he's probably not ready to play in the NFL, but a team's going to take a chance on that, you know, ability to, you know, athleticism, speed. Uh, somebody's going to be willing to take a take a chance on that. I also like Justin Evans out of Texas A&M, another really athletic player. Uh, can be rangy, can also come up in the box, make some plays. And I think uh, one guy that doesn't get a lot of love, I, I've seen a little bit here lately, is Marcus May from Florida. Um Another versatile guy can play deep, uh, single high, can also come down and play on inside the box. Uh, I think he probably goes in the top 50. Um, and just some – I also like Xavier Wood as a uh, middle-round guy. He's from Louisiana Tech. Um, I think he's a poor man's Malik Hooker. If you're looking for somebody in the back end that can just come in and tell him to go get the ball, he's one of those guys. I, I think he's raw and needs a little bit of coaching up, but – uh, definitely willing, you know, just pop on the film from them at Louisiana Tech and see a guy that can make plays. Um, another player I like a lot, too, uh, had some trouble, got kicked out of Georgia for failing drug tests, went on to Louisville, 
big-time hitter, Josh Harvey Clemens. I think he'll go in the fourth round. Um, really good prospect, five-star recruit coming out of high school. Uh, somebody's going to be willing to take a chance on him and just see if they can, you know, take the take that five-star player and kind of mold them into their own. Um, some late-round guys, uh, Fish Smithson from Kansas. Oh, thank you. I wanted to mention him. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, you got to mention a guy named Fish. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, and then I think Jadar Johnson. You know, a lot of the Clemson guys get a lot of the height, uh, you know, the past couple of years. I think he's a safety that you could get in the you know, fifth or sixth round, and he could be pretty decent. Uh, so those are, you know, the top-tier safeties, I think, in this. And we have to give just a little bit of love, any special teamers, those kickers, punters. I th- I'm, I'm going to uh, set the over-under for three. So do we go over-under, three kickers and punters getting drafted? Do you take the over or do you take the under? I would take kicker and punter. I'd, I'd go ahead and take, take the over on the combo. I think, I think some teams would say, I don't know if anyone's going to trade up in the second round for a kicker this year, but... <laughs> I think I think come six seventh round somebody will snag snag a couple kickers and punters. So I'll go with the over. Yeah, and I just said it at that because I have three actually being taken in the last uh, in twenty nine point We have Austin Recal out of uh, Idaho looks to be the best punter by far, and Cameron Johnson out of Ohio State. Uh, maybe even Miles Bergner out of South Dakota. If uh, punters are taken, I think uh, uh, Recal is the only definite uh, of that group. But uh, Zane Gonzalez, who's the career NCAA leader in field goals out of Arizona State, tremendously accurate, doesn't have the leg. I think so. If, I, if I'm going to pick a guy who on special teams I think is just the best overall, still needs a little bit to, to work on the accuracy, but definitely is the leg. I really like Jake Elliott out of Memphis. Uh, that's where uh, Sebastian uh, Guskowski came from as well. Uh, Rigoberto Sanchez out of Hawaii has got a good shot here. Uh, Andy Phillips out of Utah. It's, it's, it's a decent year. I'm, I'm going to – over is probably a safe bet here. Even if people aren't getting drafted, there's going to be a number of, of kickers and punters who I think are going to come into camp as undrafted free agents that are going to make a, a push to some Definitely. of those veterans. There, and we're there see was them at least five or six NFL teams last year that were filtering in and out kickers, you know, picking up guys like Robbie. I think New York had – New York Giants had second half Robbie Gold. I'm sure you got a couple of shots to there's going to be some teams, I think, that are willing to take a young guy, at least bring him into camp. Well, there you have it. I think we've uh, had a little over an hour there. Uh, so, and, and looking now, the, the countdown rolls on. We're at, uh, what are we at now? But uh, believe we're under the 70-hour mark. We're at uh, 69 hours and 52 minutes until draft time. It's been a pleasure. I'm sure we'll do this again, uh, Rob. Any uh, yeah, last shots or, or as far as, Things that are going to stand out, if there's one story from this draft that you think that, that, that we're going to see coming out Thursday or just the draft in general, what do you think is really going to be the, the thing maybe a year from now that people are going to take away from this draft? I think when it comes down to it, you're saying a year after the entire season is played out and everything? Yeah. I think – by the end of it, I think we're going to realize how good Miles Garrett is. I, and people have really nitpicked him, uh, you know, his motor and some things. I think you're going to see an elite prospect. I think he gets double-digit sacks. I think, I mean, you heard some scouts when he ran his 40. 
afterwards saying this guy's a franchise changer. I think he's almost bored us to this point of the draft where some people are just trying to nitpick, try to find things that they can say about him. But the guy's just that good. I think he's going to just come on the scene and blow up. Um, another one, just another thing I think that's going to end up happening, I could see, uh, as of right now, I see Deshaun Watson getting picked third by Chicago. So I think the Mike Glennon era could end pretty quickly. I think by week one, and you know, not this year, but next year, I think Deshaun Watson will be the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Wow, that's a bold pick there. I'm going to say if the one takeaway is really just going to be the disparity between defense and offense. I think when people are going to go back and look a year from now, not only total numbers, but just standout players or, or players who are going to make a significant impact on their team, and not just in the first round, maybe even later round, I just think it's almost going to be a two-to-one margin in favor of the defense. And I think next year it could be the exact opposite. I've never – and being involved in doing this is my 17th draft now that I've uh, that I've worked. I can't remember two years that I look at now at this point of the draft process and think there's that much of a disparity between one side of the football and the other. Uh, it's just amazing. I we're going to see at least 20 of the first 32 picks. I, I'm I'm going to guess that 20 uh, first round picks are going to be on the defensive side of the football, and it could even be more. Um, and I think that that number, you're probably looking at at least 18, 19 by the early returns as far as offense and if some of the players that we expect to go pro or maybe declare in 2018 actually do. Uh, to me, I, I think that could be the big thing when people look back. They're going to say, wow, this was just a defensive draft, and 2018 could turn out to just be an offensive draft. And maybe that could be teams that are a little more starved because they're not going to get the return for those offensive players that they are this year. So I think that'll feed into it a little more next year, maybe looking a little more toward offense, and the, the players will be a little bit better. That's a great take. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll have some kind of draft wrap-up show here as well. We'll be live, and I'll be uh, blogging uh, during the draft process. But thank you very much for all the work that you've done thus far, and I'm sure there's more to come, Rob. It's been a pleasure. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, thank you. And, uh, great. Thank you, everyone out there, and uh, there'll be some more podcasts in the future. You guys, take it easy. And again, we're only 69 hours away. See you later, guys.